I have Star Wars encyclopedias back here that I can show you where it technically has the readouts of this machine. Yeah, and I know how you new urine feels on my ass. You could smell that episode. Open the pod door, babe, Al. Oh, oh, the great pity that I have in my heart for you. All sorts of large instruments drilled right up your asshole. Activate phasers. I don't have the proper dongle, sir. I just figured because she's going to be leaving instead of me sitting in a cold, dank basement, I can at least be in the kitchen here where it's really close to the router as well, so we should be good. Are you standing? No, I'm sitting on a high, on a oh, high bar okay. stool. Hee <laughs> no. <laughs> That's fine. I just was like, wow, it's going to be a long time standing. Yeah. <laughs> it's whatever. I just, <laughs> everything I say comes true. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm, <sighs> I'm a soothsayer, Eugene. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I am the magic eight ball, motherfucker. <laughs> Welcome to the show. That's that's where I'll cut it right yeah. in. So it's completely confusing and makes no sense. And then, yeah. well, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm Eric. And I'm Eugene. And how are you doing, sir? How's your household? <sighs> Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> um, are you here? Oh, got the house to myself. That's how I'm doing. Oh, me too. <laughs> Just me and a... a Old dog that's tiny and a giant idiot dog. <laughs> yep, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to different locations in the house to try to find that right Skype location. So yes, last week it was in the uh, demon possessed basement. So got that checked off the list. And usually it's in my office where Skype sucks. And now it's in my kitchen on a high bar stool. So we'll see how this goes. But are you sure that your proper microphone is plugged into your proper dongle? Um, boy, that would, <laughs> it is, it is. I, my, my adapter is clicked into my USB for my mic and the adapter is then plugged into my Mac because my Mac is, um, well, it's farts don't stink. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I do enjoy that uh, every week I get a different screenshot of the interior of your house because I'll never <laughs> see it in person. <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of, I'm giving you a grand tour of the house. And here uh-huh. you get to see out back, the, there's the field and... Uh, oh, it's 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 washed out white. I can't see anything outside the windows. Okay, and so I got it. Okay, so I got a text from... So my wife, because we were the first ones that moved in here, um, every new person that moves in here, my wife likes to get them a, a treat or something. Uh, which I don't... I, I'm not directly involved with but yet i am because it kind of affects me because then because of this very do you remember if so-and-so said he was gluten-free i remember him curious about our gluten-free cookies at the meeting one time so now i am pulled into now i'm pulled into (laughs) the cookies and the neighbors and um solve the situation by not even messing with anything with glutens i I just it does i just buy some fucking cheap cookies i Chips Ahoy! I love Chips Ahoy. Buy Chips Ahoy. Have you considered a smoked meat log? (laughs) Um, I I think he liked 
I, I don't know how to answer this. As I'm, I'm being, I don't know. Just always go yeah. with I don't know. I'm being pulled. I'm being sucked into this vortex of cookies that... Uh, Just buy, buy him a Godfather trilogy and be done with it. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you remember... Those, that's certified gluten-free. I would stick with regular cookies. Or should I say he's a fat ass anyway? He probably doesn't give a shit. <laughs> He might take the gluten-free cookies as a, 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 a not-so-passive-aggressive. Yeah, what if that would be like, oh, great, so you, so you think I'm a lard-ass. Great, thank yeah. you. Here's your cookies, fatty. <laughs> oh, and seriously, like, every time someone moves in, and I, th- I think it's cool what she's doing, but it's like, well, what do I get them? Or, or then, you know, she's really she's really nice. I'm going to bake something. I'm going to – I have this new recipe. And the, the, the problem here is new recipe because then the new recipe flops – yeah. And then Eugene has got to be the trash can now for the next week. It's horking, horking down, you know, g- gluten-free, dairy-free, uh, something. And it's like, oh, I don't want to eat this. I just want to eat my fucking Chips Ahoy cookies. That's what I want to eat. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I get yeah. out of most of that because I don't do a lot of sweets and I- – my wife likes to experiment with different things and sugar-free, and that's all great, but sometimes I'm like, eh, I don't really care for it. And it's like, well, we've got 15 more of them, so start eating. And it's like, oh, no, I'm good. But, ah, uh, yep. And then actually for Christmas, it was uh, homemade Christmas ornaments, which is cool. Let's put their their last names on the on the other side of each ornament, which is really cool. What are they? What are their last names? How, how do you spell them? Like, here we go. It's a there's, yep. There's Eugene at three o'clock in the morning, yep. furiously <laughs> digging. No, no, going out in the middle of the night in his ninja outfit to try and look in everybody's mailbox and try and figure out who the hell lives here. <sighs> yep. <laughs> oh, oh, and it's like, well, we have to like double confirm is the last name spelled correctly, and I just it's again it's this it's this event horizon that I'm I'm going through. To hell to figure out people's last names. <laughs> oh, that's a good setup for what's to come later, I'm sure. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay, okay, we need to get on with the show. You want Because we got a really big show tonight, tonight, this morning, <laughs> with our fucking coffee. Good morning! Uh, beca- <laughs> uh, because we're not going to have an episode next week, so we figured we'd give you a really big episode, and you can choose to split it up into two... Uh, episodes if you want, I'm not fucking gonna, but, uh, our dear listener can do whatever the hell they please, and just don't whine about no episode next week, because you're getting a big one today. Something my wife has never said. Do you want to go to the roulette? Uh, I was so <laughs> trying to make a small pee-pee joke there, but yeah. you, beat, you beat me to it! Oh, because I knew it was coming. Yeah. I just knew it. Oh, lots of coming. Okay, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Time to spin the wheel of the movie roulette where we dive in the ocean of cinema and try and find those gems in the rough. Okay, on this episode of the roulette, it is Triple Frontier up against the super, and I get to go first. Wonderful. Shit, where's my shit? Okay, Triple Frontier. Loyalties are tested when five former Special Forces operatives reunite to steal a drug lord's fortune, unleashing a chain of unintended consequences. Uh, Directed by J.C. Chandor. I'm not familiar with his stuff. Uh, but I know that he's been attached to some good, reviewed, well-reviewed uh, movies, starring Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunan, uh, Garrett 
Headland, Pedro Pascal. Great, great, great cast. And this seemed like a no-brainer home run, in my opinion. What else he directed? Most Violent Year, Margin Call... Oh, he made All is Lost. Ugh, lifetime pass for this all, guy. All is Lost. Robert Redford, it's Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, and I've heard nothing but good reviews for these other two movies. Uh, Most Violent Year and Margin Call. Uh, so I gotta be... I don't have to be delicate or careful about how I review this, but I want to be very, very clear about a couple of things. The filmmaking is totally fine. I've, I've, there's nothing there to really gripe about. My problem comes with the the writing at conception and the trailer. Did you watch the trailer? Yes, I did. I got the impression that the, more than likely the trailer gave away the whole movie. Did you? Yes, it looked like a pretty straightforward heist type thing. It Lots of action. The trailer gave away the first half of the movie. I mean, it gave it all away, the first half of the movie. The second half of the movie, not at all. And that's be- where my problem with the writing comes in. At the conceptual point of this movie, of writing this movie, we why? Why are we doing this? Why are we making the, why is the second half of the, why does that exist after the first half of this movie? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, because it was boring as shit. This looks like a high flutin action movie nonstop all the way through. The first half was, the first half was like the trailer. The second half, ho ho, pump the emergency brake, squeal oh. to a stop, grind. It was like, why are we doing this? Who, why would, I don't think this was based on a true story or anything. So why would you make a fictionalized story like, like this is boring. Like who gives a shit? And I mean, I may be ragging on it more than I should. And I think you should keep it in the queue and give it a watch. I really do. I didn't hate my life watching it. I was just baffled. I was, why are we doing this? This is, where is this Hmm. going? And then just kind of teetered on. Basically, they go and rip off this... I'll spoil it a little bit, what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. Uh, they go They go and rip off the drug guy, whatever, and then they spend, you know, maybe it's not the entire second half, maybe it's just the third act, but they spend a good portion of the movie just trying to lug all these bags out of this country. I mean, the helicopter crashes, they take some mules from the local indigenous people and carry as much as they can, and then... They get to a point where the mules can't go across the mountain, and then they're handing the bags with ropes down the mountain one at a time from one pile to the next pile. Literally like a couple of hundred feet, it seems. Let's move the pile, then we go back and, you know, keep working back and forth to move the pile, and then go to the next spot down the hill and move the pile again. And this goes on and on and on, and it's like, I'm just watching people move into a house. Like, hey, buddy, can you come help me move my furniture? Uh, okay. And then at the end, well, there's the ocean, but there's hundreds of people looking for us. Tiny action scene, a couple people get killed, some escape, and they end up with, uh, like, four bags out of a hundred. You know, they end up losing the majority of it along the way. What? what? Okay, I don't know. I Maybe I'm being a crybaby with saying, oh, I could have just wanted, I, I could have just used a generic heist movie and they got away with it but 
and that wouldn't have been anything different or new or interesting. And I get it, this is different, I haven't seen anything like that before. Just because you're, like my good friend John says, just because you're unique does not mean you're good. So, it's an okay movie, but man, that second half is just empty of... (laughs) Does it it have a... Do they, does, is there at least a build up to a good climax type, like a big action ending or something? Or is it just, we fizzle in the entire last ha- hour? Cause I don't know if I'm going to jump on that one if that's the case. That's two hours long. Not, maybe not last hour. I would say maybe in the last 30 minutes. It's just them trying to hump these bags over a mountain. And. <laughs> I mean, after I just got done watching this cool heist setup of we got to, you know, do this and there's the place and this is the time frame, you know, normal heisty movie shit. Okay, now it's action time. Go do it. Go, go, go. And then it's, oh, crap, they're on to us. Action scene. Get away in the helicopter to, okay, well, let's move all this shit. Wow. Like, ah, come on. Uh, and you know, it's not getting a lot of great reviews. My, my friends online are saying the same thing. Uh, They're, they're railing this thing. Uh, and I'm not quite ready to do that because it does have a really good cast and it, some of it was really interesting, but Judas Priest, was it just spinning the wheels in the third act? Okay. I had some issues with Bird Box as well. I remember when that, everybody was talking about this Bird Box, Bird Box and, Eh, let's get on with it, or it's just eh, it's some of those Netflix movies that almost seems like they're they are trying. I don't want to say they're trying too hard, but they're trying to make too big of a movie for what they can do. Like it, it, it. I feel like it again at the conceptual writing stage. It should have been. Why are we doing this? I. It, let's do something else that is interesting. Let's create a different conflict beyond. Trying to move bags. That, yeah. No thanks. I was disinterested by that. My again, my issue with the trailer is that I feel like it did not properly sell me on this movie. If you had, if the trailer had been different to prepare me for this is not just an action movie, I probably would have been more okay with it. And you know, maybe I will watch it again one day down the road to reevaluate. Now knowing that this is not just a full bore action movie, it's this. Half, I, whatever. Uh, The Super. Please tell me about that. Okay, The Super. This is from 2017, directed by Stephen Rick, and starring Mr. Val Kilmer and Patrick John Fluger. And he, I, I right away I recognized him for from, um, oh, where did I see him from? Mother's Day, Foot. He was in Footloose, the remake. Um, I've just I've seen him. He's been, he's got a lot of TV credits to his name. So uh, anyway, this is a typical, and I've seen this so many times with Netflix movies. Are these movies that just pop up on Netflix? It's almost like a calling card. Like it's not bad. The movie was it was watchable, um, but it just felt like like there was a oh Topher Grace thriller that I watched around Halloween time. I reviewed it on our Halloween, one of our Halloween, I forget what it was called, but it was okay, but it just feels like, you know, one setting, which in this case is a big building, and, you know, a couple people for the cast, and, you know, a ghost story of some sort with a twist, 
roll credits. I mean, it's this is not like complete and utter dog shit garbage like dude bro whatever I watch. I don't even know what it is called. Haunting of fuck off. I don't know whatever it was called. (laughs) Fraternity Row. Fraternity Row, yeah. It's not like that. This is competently made, competently acted. This so basically this guy uh he moves into this apartment building to be the uh Fix-it guy, and he's got these two daughters, and of course the oldest daughter is a complete raging bitch. And I'm like, oh, dude, no. However, however, this movie has two pretty decent twists in it that actually kind of tie things together really well that I was not expecting. Um, Val Kilmer, he's fine in it. He's collecting a paycheck, which is fine. Um, I just, it was good to see Val Kilmer again, but the twists in the movie are what made me made me like that, that was worth a watch. Again, probably not. I wouldn't watch it again. But this was harmless, somewhat forgettable. Other than that, twi- that twist was pretty pretty good because it's there's a ghost and it's killing people. And also, that's uh, another thing with this movie is there's a couple of pretty gory kills in it, which I was impressed with. Um, the opening scene. Uh, Sets itself up to, which I was, I was okay with this too, but it sets itself up as a, here's our lead actress and she's being haunted or whatever and she's taking care of this guy that's, um, that's, he's bedridden and he's in bad shape and there's a ghost chasing him or whatever. And the, the beginning, it goes on for quite a while where I'm like, okay, we're hitting the ground running. And then, I mean, spoiler alert, she gets slaughtered and so does the guy, if I remember correctly. Like, oh, we're a good 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes into the movie. And now we're getting introduced to, no, 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 here's your main star and blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I like that. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. And so all in all, this, I was expecting just flaming shit. And instead I got hot dog and fries? Smoldering shit? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't shit. I mean, the, okay. the first half I'm like... That that teenage girl, oh, I I have low tolerance for resting bitch face girls in movies. Low low tolerance for the rest, resting bitch face to where it's like everything anybody says to to teenage snotty, snotty response. Yes, it's it's a fuck you, bad dad. You're a shitty dad. I old man Eugene doesn't like that. <laughs> Uh, so. uh, nearing old man Eric with a uh, teenage daughter also does not like that. Yeah. But all in all, it was worth one watch. I don't... So I'm, I kind of am getting the impression that it was, is this somewhere in the ballpark of that, uh, culty movie with the Punisher? No, that was better than this. Okay. No, that was, now, for you, I don't know. I'm, I thought it was, I, that movie was great. The Veil? Yeah. Oh, that was a, that was good. Uh, this would be... Below that. I'm, I was just looking for a, a yeah. comparison. Just forgettable. Like, if if you're in the need to fill fill some time in next October, you could do worse than this. You could certainly do better. It's just kind of a middle of the road. This won't, this won't make best of or worst of for me for Roulette 2019. It's squarely in the middle. Well, and if it's painless. If it's painless horror movie, I'll I'll keep it in the queue for October. It's painless, especially with the twist. I thought that without those twists, I would have given this a not a huge thumbs down, but I would have got a thumbs down. But with those twists, I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. 
Cool. So. Okay, next round. Coming your way. Maybe. If I can bring up the right... Th okay, here we go. The Dirt. Motley Crew biopic. That's all I have down because it's not on Netflix yet, but it's going to be soon. The Dawn Wall. Cameras follow Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Jorgensen as they take on the staggering challenge of free climbing Yosemite's most formidable rock formation. And lastly, Velvet Buzzsaw, uh, which I already watched and reviewed on the show and think that you should give it a watch sometime, so I'll just keep tossing it up there. Okay. And... <laughs> Heading Just your way. Seriously typing over there. Oh, I well, here's the thing. I have all my notes up here, and I think when I went to save my notes the last time, for when I was adding, because I always add your roulette picks, my roulette picks, whatever, and I don't think I, I, I didn't, I didn't save it right, and so they're not on there. I have to hop onto our private Facebook. That's uh, all good. Deal and okay, okay. So first up for you is is the Witch Files. Um, <laughs> Uh, a movie which you could not finish the trailer of. Well, but hold on here. It's uh, it's only an hour and 27 minutes. A group of marginalized young women form a powerful coven. Um, so there's that. It it might be like The Craft, which, which is a great movie, right? That we both hate. <laughs> okay, next up is Burnout. And this one here, I am completely not prepared. I was like, oh shit, I don't, my movies aren't up on my thing. Now I've got to frantically scramble and wonderful, wonderful. It's, uh, <laughs> there it is. Hey, Burnout 2017. Uh, this is <clears throat> directed by Jan Goslin. Ring any bells? No. Not me neither. Uh, he directed A Perfect Man in Caged. So there you go. It's uh, To save his loved ones, Tony must use his motorcycle talents for drug deliveries. I'm just I, I like that you can't even get through the synopsis <laughs> without cracking yourself up. Like, what a piece of shit this is going to oh, be. Oh, no, no, no. Burnout looks pretty good. Um, but the next one... <laughs> yeah. Go on. <laughs> oh, this one might be actually difficult to find on... Of course, of, of course it was going to be difficult to find on IMDb because they changed the name. It's Twin Sanity, but it's not on IMDb as Twin Sanity because Netflix changed the name from something else that it used to be. So let's hop over to Netflix so I can read how, you the... How could that be a better title? I know, like, it's awful. Like, that's an awful... No, the movie itself might be good. No, it won't. <laughs> but uh, Twin Sanity, because I have to... Twin Sanity... Twin... There it is, Twin Sanity. Hey... Uh, so, Horror, Mistaken Identity, Independent. That's what uh, Netflix is calling it. It's an hour and 25 minutes. That's good runtime. When a yoga enthusiast, whew, plus one, <laughs> begins to pull away from her identical twin sister, oh, plus two, and business partner, uh, plus three, their lifelong bond turns deadly. They're uh, called strikes, not pluses. <laughs> and it ends so, with a out. <laughs> so, there you go. There's your three. Burnout. I'll, I'll be looking into this guy's motorcycle skills and how it's going to save something or other. And for you? <laughs> oh, the dirt. Oh, no way. <laughs> You're sure about that? that that's coming this week. Uh, yes, it said the 22nd, so two okay. days from now, which is perfect right in time for the weekend. And I'm like, that's an evening um, Motley Crue biopic, especially after Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I'm in. 
Okay, next time on the roulette, it'll be burnout in the dirt. <laughs> Carissa Strain and Katie Strain star in Twin Sanity, which means they got real twin sisters for this movie. Do you want me to ruin that movie for you? Because I watched the trailer and I can ruin the movie for you. Yeah, her her twin probably died when she was a kid and she has personality disorder. <laughs> the end! <laughs> I might get thrown back up on the roulette at some point or another. <laughs> oh, you can fully expect both these movies coming your way next time, sir. Because dumpster juice, that's what those movies are. And you can drink that shit, because I will not be. Do you know how I know? I'm just looking at the screenshot. Uh, uh, well, the, uh, the screen grab they put up for the trailer on one of the... YouTube trailer releases and the one twin is banging a dude and looking over his shoulder and sees the other twin just hovering. Yeah. Because you, you know, if your sister was banging a dude, you just stare at her. Yeah. So translation, she's a ghost. She's dead or never existed or died. Yeah. Died when she was young or whatever. But the witch files thing, any nothing. Oh, you tell me. What'd you think of the trailer? Oh, wait, you can't because you stopped after 20 seconds because it was a dumpster juice. <laughs> light as a feather, th- light as a feather, oh. thin as a board, light as a feather, thin as a board. Or See, whatever. I actually watched the whole thing, and if you got to the, the last 20 seconds of the trailer, there was some special effects. Hmm? Yeah. That some 7%er made on his Mac at home. That's what they were. <laughs> oh, with his USB-C toggle. That's right. Okay, uh, let's move on. We got to do the our, our top ten uh, of the month. Uh, I, I know it's kind of been we've been leaning subgenre, but I was I decided to broaden it a little bit, especially this month for top ten spaceships or spacecraft. I thought, why not? We're already doing like weird top tens every month this year. Let's just make it a top ten of anything movie related, and who gives a shit. Uh, I guess I'm up first. I think my list is going to surprise you. I think that you're going to be surprised by the omissions and you're going to be surprised by some of the things that I have in here. I'll be surprised if you found all of these. I I bet I'll have a couple that you'll be like, oh shit, I forgot about that. Probably. Yeah. Now I have a quick question. Do you have any honorable mentions or is it straight up just the top 10? That's it. There's always honorable mentions and we'll do them at the end. Okay. Wait, wait till the end. Uh, as I always say with these top 10 lists, it's always weird what triggers me into which direction I interpret the topic. And this month is no different. Even though I came up with this one, I kept finding myself shifting my list and my list did not come out the way that I expected once I started making it. Uh, number 10 for me is the Icarus 2 from Sunshine. And the reason I dropped this down a bit is because I, I love me a spaceship especially in cinema, and I really love this one because it it feels real and functional. Like, this is something that we could see built in our lifetime, especially with the the huge shield in the front and uh, that with the sun panels that helps give it power. I thought that was just a brilliant design, but I knocked it down to 10 because it's not sexy. You know what I mean? It's not a ship that's, like, flying around, shooting a bunch of shit, and, you know... Mm -hmm. 
it has a singular mission, and it's going to go do that. But I love the design of the ship, so this one made the list. And then you'll see in my honorable mentions, there are some major sci-fi movies that did not make my cut because there it was they were built on pure function. But this one I just liked enough that it made the bottom. Number ten for you. <clears throat> it's interesting that you say that because my number ten is kind of similar to yours in that it's made to for a function and it's. Uh, even yeah, kind of the look as well, and uh, as from uh, Sunshine, and that would be the Discovery one from two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Nice. Uh, it, it it's iconic to me. It's not the coolest looking ship ever, but it's it serves its purpose in that movie, and it's a you know this huge epic ship that you know back in the day you didn't see stuff like that in cinema. And it's very, very iconic. And for some reason, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Icarus one in... Uh, is it the Icarus one or the Icarus? Icarus two, but oh, Icarus. very much so. I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. So I love that ship. I think it's such a cool looking ship, but there's other ones that, uh, like you said, are more flashy that get higher marks. Yep. Number nine for me is... Now, I, I would be shocked if you... Uh, recognize the name of this ship. So I'm just going to throw it out there and see if you do. I don't expect you to. I wouldn't have got it. But the Trimaxian drone ship. A.K.A. Max. Is that from... uh, The Flight of the Navigator? Nailed it. Wow. I'm impressed. That's awesome. When you said Max, I'm like, okay. That immediately I'm thinking kids movie. That sounds like a kids type. And I'm like... Ah, there we go. Disney. Yep. Bonus points because it can travel through time. It's it's super sleek. It has liquid steps. I mean, okay, I'll be honest. It also gets a lot of love for me because when I was a kid and we went to Disney or Universal or whatever, I got to see the actual ship that they used as it was there. Yeah, I remember that. That was at the, that was at Hollywood Studios in the back lot. There you go. Yeah. I saw it and I, I lost my fucking mind because uh, that movie was so big when I was a kid. And, it, and I remember watching it on Disney movie of the week when it first came out and oh, oh just loved it. Loved it. Uh, number nine for you. Number nine for me is the Klingon battle cruiser. This is from Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, this is the, I guess, battle is, it a, is it a bird of prey? No, it's a battle cruiser. Uh, okay. the, the bird of prey, those are the ones that have like the, the wings tilt up and down. The battle cruiser are the, uh, like they have the more of the round front and then like the stationary wings in the back. Uh, they're, yeah, okay. again, they're, yeah, they're featured in the beginning of Star Trek, the motion picture. And I just, I love the military look of them. And it's like that harkens back to the old school Star Trek stuff there. Uh, I just, I love, that ship. It looks like a cool 70s bad guy ship. Uh, yeah. It looks really, really dangerous, and I I love it. I love that look. And the Bird of Prey ships from the Star Trek series are cooler, I think, and more, you know, high-tech or whatever, but something about those, it reminds me of, like, um, you know, an open sea battle, and that just seems like this big old warship or whatever that's got all sorts of military stuff on it, but Klingon Battlecruiser. Are you sure the Bird of Prey wings move? I don't remember them moving. 
Yes, yeah, they do. Well, I'm at least thinking of like Star Trek, uh, like when they, when the crew hijacked the bird of prey from Star Trek, uh, like two, that they, they use it in two, three, and four, especially four when they go back to Earth. They use that bird of prey to go back in time and that those wings, they tilt up and down or whatever. I'm looking at images on Google. You're right. They do. I don't remember. I didn't remember that. And I just remember awesome. the bird of prey is like, that's the smaller ship versus yeah. the big Klingon battle cruiser. I can't believe I'm breaking down Klingon. Oh, no, stuff, that, but, uh, that's why I picked this category. Yeah. We're going to get into some of that shit. Exactly yeah. what you're talking about. But, and I, that's, that's like, that ship is almost as iconic to me growing up as the original Enterprise was because I'm like, holy shit, that is awesome looking. It looks just big and bad. It was kind of like the the other side of Star Wars. Here, here's the big Star Wars stuff, and then there's the Klingon badasses over here. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, number eight for me is... Here's another ship I'll be shocked if you know the name of. The Ranger. The Ranger. Oh, man. I didn't, so- I didn't know the name of this ship until I looked it up. It sounds Serenity-ish, but I'm guessing it's not that. No, this is from Interstellar. And ah. this is the ship, not the ship they took, uh, the main ship. It's the drop ship that they landed on the uh, planet with the giant tidal waves. Uh, I have, uh, in honorable mentions, I have Interstellar ship, and that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. That, it's called the Ranger. That ship that is awesome. design is incredible. I mean, I thought I have seen every cool design about possible, and then a new sci-fi movie comes out from Christopher Nolan and blows it out of the water. That thing is amazingly sweet. Uh, the only reason I dropped it down is because no defenses whatsoever as far as weapons mm. or yada yada. So it's basically just a, a pilot ship. Eh, so I knocked it down just a hair. But damn cool and helped facilitate the death of somebody I don't like, so... I was, was going to say that if you weren't. <laughs> uh, number eight for you. Number eight for me is the Millennium Falcon. It's down pretty far on the list, uh, but I simply have too many more that I like more than this. But it, it's, again, as with the Klingon Battlecruisers, it's iconic to me growing up. Like, it, who didn't like the, you know, motherfucking Millennium Falcon? <laughs> it's that's the biggest baddest ship in the galaxy, fastest ship. Blah, 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 blah. It's yeah, it's great. Plus, there's a big sock puppet that pops out of a planet and tries to eat it. <laughs> it's no cave. Number seven for me is the Slave One. You know that ship? Oh, I, yeah, I know yeah. that. Ship. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, that would be Boba Boba Fett's ship. Uh, it is awesome, and I would not have fallen in love with it if it were not for, what, is it episode two? Which is a monumentally shitty movie, but that's one of the best scenes in it, when him and Obi-Wan are having their bomb fight. Best part uh, of the movie. Yep, pretty much. Uh, it's pretty damn awesome, even though I still want to see how they climb into their seats. It must be similar to astronauts here on Earth, where they have to climb up and lay back. Because it takes off and then it's forward facing. That's a pain in the ass. It's not as simple as the, the Falcon where you just run in and sit down and go. You gotta climb into your pilot seat. So that's why it fell down just a little bit. Uh, I, I should inform the listener. I've played lots and lots of video games where you have to pilot ships, especially Star Wars themed ones. 
So I think about all of these things. Piloting the ship itself played a part where I put them in my list. Yeah. That's a good one. Number seven. <clears throat> seven for me is, you know what? Now that I'm looking at this list, I have, actually am switching six and seven because that's eh, not fair for the one that was originally going to be number seven. So number seven for me uh, is the Prometheus from Ridley Scott's Prometheus. The The look of the ship is military, yet kind of has this exploration-y type look, I guess. Very unique looking, very cool. Um, I just, looking over everything, I'm like, yeah, I like that better than this. I like that better than this. And I'm like, you know, that, I love that ship. I, that makes my top 10. And seeing that movie in the theater in 3D was, wait, did I see it in 3D in the theater? Oh, I sure as shit did. Yeah, but it's fantastic. I still stand by that movie. I think that it was a fantastic movie. And I still don't get why people trash that movie so much. Uh, I agree. Number six for me is the Colonial Viper. The Colonial Viper. Um, would that be Battlestar Galactica? It is. Ah. It's the the little ships that they send out to go and fight. Awesome. Uh, they are tiny, dart-like looking things, and they are vicious and badass. 100%. Uh, that, that's it. <laughs> I love those things. Even I'm, I, I mean, not just the remake too. The, the old one. Oh yeah. 1980s. I remember as a kid watching, uh, they are both awesome. I mean, wasn't there, there, the villains were the Cylons, right? Yeah. The Cylons. Yep. And they had more like flying saucer type looking. Things. Yeah. Yeah. They, they weren't that cool. You wanted to blow them up. Yep. Okay. Number six for me is the USS Cygnus. From, ah, there it is. Yep, from the black <laughs> hole. And again, this is another one that, much like Discovery from 2001, it's it's not like this, you know, awesome, pew, 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 you know, blasting shit up spaceship. But it is a part of my childhood, and the fact of the the fact that this ship was built to go into a well, wait, was it built to go into a black hole, or was just Maximilian Sheldon like, fuck it, we're gonna go into a black hole? I think so. Or well. What was its original mission? It was just to explore deep space. Maybe. I think so. I, yeah, I, I don't know. It could be either way. I, I get what you're saying. It, it's totally fine. It can go through. It managed to go through a black hole at least in some capacity. So high marks there. Yeah, yeah. But it. Um, I love that that when you first see the ship and when they kind of do their flyby, it like. How do I say it? It. it it's not like any spaceship that you would have seen in Star Trek or Star Wars or anything else. It was a very unique looking, lots of like metal wire looking stuff. Like it was like, it's much more, it's much more akin to a, a, a 2001 or a sunshine realistic, yes. realistic with a purpose. Yes. You know, and then one of the most iconic shots of that movie for me is when it's, it's totally unrealistic, but whatever, we're talking about spaceships here, is when the the crew, or some of the crew, is running across this bridge, and they're going into the black hole, and these huge meteorites or asteroids or whatever are flying through the ship, or, like, smashing into the ship, and, like, as they're running across this bridge, you just see this gigantic fireball slowly, you know, coming towards them, and great special effects that I think still hold up. 
Oh, they totally do. I still don't know how the hell they did that. Yeah, I know. It looks completely realistic. Yeah. Oh, what, I've said it before. One of my favorite things about that movie is it is it has a little kid mentality about outer space in that at one point of the movie when that's all happening and they barely escape those meteors, they kind of step outside the ship for a minute and just kind of hop down and mm. hold your breath and then hop back in. You know, like, it's so you can go out a little bit as long as you just kind of hold your breath. There's no way yeah. you're interested. It'll yeah. be okay. Uh, no, no. <laughs> That's not how space works at all. No. <laughs> but in Disney, 1978 or whatever, it sure did. It yep. worked back then. <laughs> okay, number five. I like how this is turned from making a list into quizzing Eugene on can he name <laughs> what movie the shit is from. Uh, the Gunstar. The Gunstar. Oof. That sounds almost anime-ish. Uh-uh. Gunstar. No anime on my list. Although, oh, okay. now that I think about it, that is a gross oversight. Holy <laughs> shit. Did I just forget a major thing? Ah, oh, damn it. Okay. <laughs> hey, honorable mentions. Ah, oh, it's gonna have to be now. So what is it called again? The the what? The Gunstar. The Gunstar. Um, I want to I guess something. The Gunstar. Definitely not Star Wars. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Could it be the uh, Last Starfighter ship? The Last Starfighter. Ah! Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, this one gets high marks because it is a, it's a medium-sized ship. It can travel through deep space on its own. It's not just a, you know, little drone ship that gets off of a mothership. Uh, and it is fully loaded to fuck your asshole with weapons. <laughs> Uh, it takes out a hole in our armada. Uh, awesome. I, one day they're going to remake this movie, dude, with good non-Atari 2600 special effects, and I can't wait to see it. But as it is now, eh, a little rough, but it's still a cool design. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad that that the special effects have dated themselves that much for an 80s science fiction movie where we go all the way back to, well, 2001 even, but the 70s science fiction movies, those effects typically still hold up quite well. The Star Trek motion picture, Star Wars, Black Hole. Like those are those look good. Yeah, then you get to Last Starfighter. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. what the hell is going yeah. on here? Okay, so number five for me is the Slave One from Empire Strikes Back. Uh, this is my favorite ship from the entire Star Wars universe. I love it. Oh, for Pete's sakes. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled program. <clears throat> uh, Slave One is, it's Boba Fett, and it's the coolest looking ship. It's a bounty hunter ship. Uh, it just looks different from any other spaceship, at least in the original trilogy. It, none, no other ships looked like that. It was like this flat iron with little wings turned right side up or something. It was weird <laughs> You're looking. Right, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, they just sprayed some green paint on it, and there you go. <laughs> That's great. I love that ship. And then, like you said, in Attack of the Clones, which is not a good movie, that scene there is so good. So good. Sound system tester. Yes, it is. Uh, number four for me is Serenity from Firefly. And here's another thing that started factoring in. The abilities of the ship. Can it carry people? Can it? It doesn't have weapons, and I don't, it doesn't, Serenity doesn't really have weapons. I mean, it did in the movie, because they mounted some alien shit on top, or Ravager shit on top, but 
it has a capacity to carry uh, people. It has rooms. It, you know, it has a little bit of that Millennium Falcon space, but it also has a centralized cockpit. And I'm going to get into that later. For flying, your cockpit needs to be towards the center of your ship. That is the smartest design and the most common sense that you can do. It just... The mechanics of flight demand that, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm already trying to prepare you for things that are not going to be on my list. <laughs> uh, but that ship is designed well as far as for landing, for quickly picking up uh, people and, and whatnot. Like in the beginning of the, for the opening scene of uh, the Serenity movie, where he's flying around and, and they're driving, ramping cars into the back of the cargo hold. That makes sense. That is a well-designed ship. I really like it. So, number four. Excellent. <clears throat> By the way, I almost... I didn't. Because I didn't think that it counted, but I almost put uh, Harrison Ford's cop car from Blade Runner. But I'm like, you know, that's not a spaceship. That's a flying car that is on a planet. But damn, I wanted to, I wanted to put that car on this list. Well, I've made uh, several coolest movie car lists ever. So maybe we can do that later ah, in the year. As there a, we go. There it would qualify. Yes. Uh, okay, next up for me is the USS... Sulaco from Aliens. Uh, this ship is... It looks like a gigantic machine gun in space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that, that was what I was going to say. Every time I see it, it's like, well, the rifles that they're carrying around, the, the, the soldiers, I'm like, that's basically a tiny little version of the spaceship they're in. Because it's just this big, hulking machine gun without a trigger in space. I loved it. That, that, it might have a trigger. Oh, it <laughs> might, yeah. It, it was so cool. I I love the look of that ship, uh, much more so than the Nostromo, which that's still an iconic ship. But I like the fact that this looks. Uh, I I love when a as soon as you see a spaceship, you immediately can imagine who's on that ship. And when you see that, it's like that looks like a military ship to me. Immediately, I'm like that looks. We're not exploring shit. We're here to blow the hell out of a planet. We are here to nuke shit from orbit. Yes. Yes. I completely agree with everything that you said. Yeah. The uh, Nostromo, it, what's its purpose? It's a fucking tugboat. Yeah. And it, it looks, and it, it looks it's like amazing. That. It's amazing, but it's there for that one purpose, and it looks like a tugboat. Yep. It's a great design and everything, not knocking it, but I, I grab the stick. Let's fly this thing around. No, that's not what you're doing. You're programming in coordinates and sitting back in your cruise control. Yeah. Uh, the Sulaco, absolutely a M4 machine gun in space. Yes. And, and I love it. Oh, and this yeah. is the first, the first shot when you actually see that ship and you have, is it James, Hor James Horner's score with the Cameron? I love the first shot of that ship because immediately you're like, Oh, we are not messing around. Here we go. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Number three for me is the X-Wing, but not any X-Wing. It's Luke Skywalker's X-Wing. Why? Prepare for nerd out, but not all X-Wings are equipped with light drives. And his is. His has been souped up, and why shouldn't it be? It blew up a fucking Death Star, motherfucker! <laughs> uh, it is one badass ship. I, I know that can't do a whole hell of a lot else because it can't haul extra passengers. It, you know, 
it, it at least has enough weaponry with the photon torpedo. No, wait, that's Star Trek, isn't it? Uh, what what does it yeah. have? It has. Yeah, it's got the torpedoes and it's got the right. Ra- I, I, fo- it's got yeah. torpedoes and and just regular lasers, I guess. But it's enough to take down a, a damn Death Star. So, um, and get him to Dagobah. Most most other X wings. I mean, they're they're like the Tie Fighters. They're short range. They're not meant to go super far. But Luke's is specially designed. So that's why it made number three for me. Now, is that like is that a real? Is that confirmed? or Are you just saying it's? You're just saying that. Uh, no, that's confirmed. Well, as far as the books went, that probably have been decanonized since oh, the buyout. But I have, I have Star Wars encyclopedias <laughs> back here that I can show you where it technically has the readouts of this machine. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, number three, three, three for me is. Of course, the Event Horizon has to make its glorious appearance on this list. I wanted to rate this higher because I love that ship, but the other two simply are, they're, they mean more to me than, than this. But still, for a, a Paul Thomas Anderson movie directed uh, way back in uh, the 90s, Everything about this movie should not have worked, but everything about it does work for me. I just recently rewatched it last week, and man, this movie is evil and gory and cool science fiction. And the ship is—it's almost like the ship is a cross between maybe a Klingon battlecruiser and two thousand one, two thousand one, the Discovery. That, yeah, you just exactly how i would describe it yeah and why yeah it doesn't have weaponry on it but it can go to hell and back literally it can go to hell (laughs) yep (laughs) and i love again much like the first time we see the uh from aliens uh the first shot of the of the event horizon where they're they're coming up like oh you're gonna just hit the brakes we're gonna ram into this thing and then they finally do and then we get the Finally, a nice big look at this ship, and it is so creepy. Oh, right off the bat, it's creepy and iconic, and great special effects too that hold up for the most part. Mm-hmm. I do not disagree. Number two for me is the Milano. The Milano, brunette, really good looking. Alyssa, first name or <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> This is a different I... ship I'd like to ride. <laughs> well played, sir. Waka waka. Um, <laughs> the what is it? The Milano. Um, uh, the Mil- I, I did not know what this ship was called. I had to look it up, but that's what it's called. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say, um, is it from Oblivion? Oh shit! I forgot about Oblivion. No. Okay. But I, I probably should have looked up Oblivion to see what those ships look like. I forget. Uh, no. Oh, oh, those were cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's no. on my honorable mention. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mine too now. Uh, <laughs> no, no. It is from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, oh. Okay. That's, that was an oversight on my end. That Guardians would have... I, I can't believe this ship got to number two for me. But the more I was working on my list, it was like, you know, got weapons got flexibility, can carry a decent crew that, that has rooms to sleep, has a sub ship that it can, you know, another ship that it can uh, drop off and go do 
short range shit. I, only reason it didn't make number one, surprisingly, was because it's entirely fictional. The design of it, you know mm. what I mean? It is so far in the future of what we compared to what we have that I was like, eh, not uber realistic. It's extremely sci-fi. I don't say it necessarily as a negative, just as I've been developing my list, you see there have been yeah. a little bit of kudos for some realism. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, awesome, awesome, amazing design. It's like a bird, you know, the, those yeah. wings move so much and it, it's a little ridiculous, but at any rate, it's amazing. That is an oversight on my end. That would have definitely made, if not honorable mention, that may have uh, crept into my top 10 because I love that ship. I love all of the ships, uh, the aesthetic design of the ships in both of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I think they look incredible. Very sleek. And it's almost like there's a hint of maybe like George Lucas's prequels in there with kind of the sleek, shiny look of the ships. Yeah, but, I, th- there is, but it's almost uh, an improvement on that. Yes. And I had considered some of his ships from the prequels. I really did. Me too. Some of those ships are really fucking cool, but just, eh, didn't quite get there. Yeah. Okay, number two for me. This was really difficult for me because both of these are, I love them so much, but there can only be one number one. So number two for me is the mothership from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. No, uh, it's... Uh, I, this is a part of, again, a part of my childhood that still holds up. It's a very iconic looking ship. Um, yeah, there's little dudes with long arms that come out and hug Richard Dreyfus, and everybody looks doe eyed and. <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> I love when they go out there and they're like, hi, and then they hold his hand and he, you know, like, oh, you're. <laughs> You're getting all sorts of large instruments drilled sure. right up your asshole, but that's okay. The ship looks cool. This will be okay. Come with us, Come human Come with meat. us. <laughs> oh. Anyway, great movie. And have you ever watched the extended or the the special edition, whatever, where we actually see what he sees on the ship? It was out on DVD and the Blu-ray. Wait, wait, it was in the movie or it was a deleted scene? No, it was like basically back in 77 when the movie was released. Uh, it did so well that Spielberg shot like for a couple million dollars, shot this extra couple minute ending where after he's on the ship, as it's taking off, Richard Dreyfus is in the ship and he sees what it looks like inside. You've seen this, right? I think so. Because it's, it's incredible. I feel I mean, like I remember a shot where he's looking out the window. Yeah, he's looking, and it's like this huge city inside the ship, and it's really cool. Oh, damn. But it's... <sighs> yeah. Oh, the town I live in is testing their tornado alarm. Well, I hear something about... Yeah, yeah I got I got a text about it or something. Like, we'll be testing the alarm at, at, at exactly the time you're podcasting, asshole. Yep. So. <laughs> I can't believe your dogs aren't going completely apeshit right now. I guess I could keep talking about Close Encounters. Uh, I mean, I got to delete all this shit from my timeline, so I'm waiting for the damn siren to stop. What could I say about... Because uh, I'm still going to go. I, I, I know, but I yeah, you can talk about whatever. Um, I want to wait to talk about my number one when there's not a siren in the background. This means something. Uh, no, you can cut all this shit out. I got nothing. 
just Richard Dreyfus throwing bricks through a window and chickens running around and chicken the wire. The shrubbery. I like the, the shrubbery the best when he's yes. throwing the shrubs in yeah. there. What's yeah. great about that whole scene there, though, is like you're you're like, well, he's of course he's batshit crazy, and then he builds the most awesome mountain inside his house, and you're like, I get it now. I see what I I would have done the same thing. Bathrobe. <laughs> no, no, and- no, not so much. Uh, <laughs> my, my favorite thing about that scene is you're like he's batshit crazy, and I still like him better than all his neighbors. They can all yeah. go fuck themselves. Yeah, and all die. his neighbors and wife and kids. Yeah. Because I, I wanted to like her because she's uh oh she was in Young Frankenstein wasn't she? Yes, I was sympathetic to her because she's living with a psychopath. Yeah, but you your kids are out of control. Yeah, I mean how I are you sure the mothership isn't actually showing up in Millersburg right now? See you, dude. This is it. I'm out. <laughs> Little... Finally, it's done. Okay. Number one. Do you have any guesses? you want to make any guesses as to what my number one could be? Because I have no idea what yours is. I have no idea. I... The Cheyenne. What? Um... You've, yeah, you've nailed everyone except the Guardians. You're like... You're like five for six of all the weird ones. The only one you missed was the Guardians of the Galaxy. I understand. Yeah. Nobody knows the name of that ship. Is it back? <laughs> I'm like, I, I hear something in the... <laughs> well, don't look it up. That's not fair. <laughs> the shiny... Mm. <laughs> you prick. No, I'm you, not. You get no credit. Go no, ahead. I have, no, I have no... I literally have no idea. Um, I mean, we, cover, we covered all the big movies. I uh, Look up Cheyenne Spaceship. Go ahead and look it up. I want to see your face when Cheyenne you see what it spaceship. is. Spaceship. Good Lord, that's loud. I mean, I hear that oh, through my awful. head. Oh, it's awful. Oh, no, oh, of course you got to be smarter than. Uh, how do you spell? How do you spell C H E Y? Yeah, because it was S H I A N. Because that's the way it sounds. So spell it like that. So what is it? C H E Y E N N E. Oh, like Indians and stuff. Oh, I thought it was like. By the way, I had no idea what this ship was called. Until we did this. And I've watched this movie 50 times. Oh, that's the ship from Aliens. That is the... <sighs> if it, I mean, it's just something every episode. <laughs> you're not going to soldier on, are you, either? If I do, you're going to hear the damn siren behind every time I'm talking. Like, I can get rid of it when I'm not talking, but when I'm talking, you're just going to hear that buzz in the background. It's got to stop in a minute or two. They're not going to do it for like 20 minutes, you know? <sighs> oh, thank God it's a long episode because Dude, we, we got another hour. I'm just reading. I'm R.I.P. John Carl Beekler. Oh, I know. Man, that sucks. I actually donated to his GoFundMe, uh, to John Carl Beekler's GoFundMe deal back when he was fighting cancer. But man, that, that really bummed me out. He truly, I, I didn't know him personally, but... He truly seemed like a cool dude. Like, I watched numerous behind-the-scenes or, you know, retrospectives on Blu-rays of him, like, of him talking, and he seemed like such a nice guy. Uh, Everybody seemed to like that guy, and that sucks. I, man, especially when, like, I remember hearing about John Carabicola the first time back in, for Friday the 13th, part uh, 7. And just, ever since then, I'm like... Every now and then his name would pop up. I'm like, ah, oh, that's that guy. And 
Pete. So rest <laughs> in peace, John Carl Beekler. Yep, I agree. Number one for me is the Cheyenne. This is the dropship from Aliens. I never knew the name of until this week, even though I've watched this movie countless freaking times. But the reason that it kept inching its way up the list and nabbed the number one spot, realistic, it has cargo capacity, it has weapons out your motherfucking asshole. Yep. Every time that we, we, like, oh shit, shit's about to get blowed the fuck up. Um, it's got centralized pilot seat. Yeah. It has room for multiple pilots. That's another thing that some of the other ships got bumped down a bit because you need somebody to take over sometimes. This ship is awesome. Amazing. I love this damn thing. And it worked its way up to number one. I don't know why these were all the trigger buttons for this uh, particular top ten, but this is the way it goes. So, yeah. Love that thing. Number one for you. And number one for me, I'm actually surprised it, this was fairly easy. I mean, I pretty much, I, I just put this down number one and moved, moved my list around accordingly. But number one for me is the USS Enterprise from Star yep. Trek. Uh... Which I, one? I, you know, I I was actually going to bring that up. Is I really really like the J.J. Abrams, uh, you know, Macintosh mall look inside and the the cool exterior. But I think for me, my favorite Enterprise is probably Motion Picture, the original series of movies before they blow it the hell up and uh, search for Spock. Nice. Yep, I think that's my favorite. I can't fault that pick at all. Other than, um, you know, activate phasers. I don't have the proper dongle, sir. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and wait till you watch Discovery. That is, that is to me, other than the Enterprise, that is the coolest Star Trek ship I have seen on a show or Star Trek movie. It's, it's so badass looking. I love it. Nice. Which, is a bit odd because it looks so cool and futuristic and does all sorts of crazy shit. And this takes place before old school Star Trek occurs. Not J.J. Abrams' universe. This is before Captain before Kirk. Before Enterprise, even? Yes, before Enterprise. And like that ship is like light years futuristic, awesome looking and okay. Uh, <laughs> like I, at least I, I appreciated that Enterprise, like, the Archer show Enterprise, they tried to make that ship a little bit more, not a tin can, but they, they made it I, seem it a little... It definitely felt clunky. Yeah, clunky. This one here, no. It's so cool looking. But okay. Anyway, Enterprise for the win. Uh, okay, honorable mentions. Are you surprised the Falcon didn't make my list? I am, actually, yes. It's because of that centralized cockpit problem. I try and think about flying that thing around, and every time that... I've played uh, with it in a game. It f you're, you've got a third-person perspective, and it flies central. But the reality is the cockpit is way over on the right, which makes no sense design-wise. And joystick-wise, it's very. it would be very bizarre and awkward, and you would wreck the fuck out of that thing every time you tried to fly it. You know, he and in Solo, he's tearing around in the thing, and he slaps that ship, and... Uh, uh, you know, when he's making the Kessel run and blah, blah, blah. But you, can you imagine how awkward it would be if you had to deal with every part of the ship is to the left of you? Yeah. It, so I, 
look, the thing is beautiful. It's an iconic ship of a spaceship of all time cinema. But I had to knock it off. Just no. Event Horizon and the Lewis and Clark. I'm giving props to both of those ships because the Lewis and Clark is a badass motherfucker. Yes, it is. Uh, Event Horizon is awesome. It's also a little ridiculous because it it looks great, but it's got this long ass path between yeah. the two parts of the ship that why? blows up real nice. Yeah, why? It, to to blow up real nice. Yeah. that's why it exists. <laughs> but the Lewis and Clark was an awesome ship. The only reason it didn't quite make the list, and it was close. Give me a break with the dangly seats. Uh, red pill, blue pill. Hold on, I'm dangling. Like, <laughs> it, it, that, that scene is always awkward. No matter what way you cut it. Uh, huh? Hmm? What's going on? <laughs> Just looks weird. Um, the Cygnus, of course, is going to make my list. Really cool. But what does it do? Well, it flew into the middle of space. It sat there for, like, 20 years, and then it was like, hey, let's fall in a black hole. It looks amazing, but, eh. Sulaco. Amazing ship. Almost made my list. Also, looks a little ridiculous. Who's flying this thing? We're, we're, <laughs> we never really see the cockpit or the driver's seat or the bridge or whatever you want to call it of this giant machine gun in space. So I, I I knocked it down a bit. Prometheus was so close to the list, but the only weapon it possesses when its mission is to go out and find alien life, the only weapon it has is to crash its own ass into another ship. <laughs> That's it. Like, dude, you can't put a machine gun on that motherfucker or something? <laughs> Uh, and lastly, this is one that I just added because I forgot about anime because I'm a dumbass. This would have probably made my top five. I'm not going to lie. The Swordfish 2 from Cowboy Bebop. Mm. That ship kicks so much ass and it's kind of in that X-Wing ballpark where it, it's it's more of a one-person seater and uh, uh, it's a drop ship. It's, it's not meant to go very far, blah, blah, blah. But that ship is so damn cool and the way they show off the interior of the cockpit and the controls and the switches and the the hand controls on the joysticks and shit it it just looks so functional it looks realistic it's awesome yeah it's an amazing ship and you would love it uh honorable mentions from you honorable mentions for me are this is an odd one here but i loved it it's the it's almost not a spaceship, but I think that it, that it is, and that's the time travel ship uh, from Contact that they build for Jodie oh, Foster. Oh yeah, that's that's a spaceship, hundred okay. percent. Because it drops and bloop out to the nether regions of wherever it goes. But I love the look of that thing. That actually, like you've said before, like it looks when you actually see it built, it's like that could actually be something that would be built in the future. Like it looked from something that Cape Canaveral might build, if, you know, a hundred years in the future or whatever. And I thought that was so cool. Uh, and then the orb itself with how it's like, well, the dangly seat thing, there's a dangly seat in there. And she's like, that wasn't in the blueprints. And they're like, yeah, but you're going to, you're still going to sit in there. And then of course the thing is not supposed to be in there. And so no dangly seats, folks. <laughs> um, uh, here's, here's another thing to consider with that. Uh, what, what is a spaceship? You know what else is a spaceship? The uh, DeLorean from Back to the Future. 
That's a spaceship. Yeah. It has to be because anything that travels through time has to travel through space because uh, the Earth is not at the same point as when you're traveling to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Next up for me is uh, the EVA pod from 2001. It's kind of basically a tiny little round ball version of the front of the Discovery. And it has little hand clicky things that grab the dead man and then let him go. And open the pod board. Oh, fuck. Open the pod board, babe, Al. <laughs> open the pod board. Oh, for crying out. <laughs> Moving on. Go uh, on. No, no, keep trying. Oh, open the pod door, bay. Nope, nope. I'm moving on. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Hal, there you go. See? I knew you could do it. Next up is the (laughs) interstellar. Next up. I didn't fuck it up three times in a row. That's not what I heard. Interstellar ship (laughs) is the next one. Uh, Just like you said, it's awesome. And um, what's his name gets drowned in it. So there you go. uh, On the planet. So yay. Um, uh, Nostromo is next. And that's because... It's more iconic for a classic movie standpoint, but it's not one that I would, like you said, it's like, yeah, that's going to be fun to to fly around the, well, it would be actually, I would love to do that. Well, but, of course we would because we, have, yeah. we can't fly around in anything, but it, it it's a space tugboat. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I did have the Oblivion ship and by that, that's the, the one that he is trying to outrun the drone things that are chasing him. I thought that was such a cool looking ship. Um... Serenity is on the, that almost made my top 10, but like, ah, I gotta, you know, I gotta stop somewhere. And so I'm like, that's close to the top of the honorable mentions. And now for the last honorable mention, I actually had several, this is kind of all encompassing. Yeah, I had Slave One and Millennium Falcon, but here I had TIE Fighters, X-Wing Fighters, the Death Star and Star Destroyers all as one big honorable mention. Oh no, that's totally fine. All those ships are awesome. And, And you know, the Death Star, I've seriously considered that one because it's a planet that's a ship with the mm-hmm. baddest weapon of all time. Yeah. I mean, damn. Yeah. And, like, especially the TIE Fighters and the X-Wing Fighters, I like them equally. Like, I the the, the TIE Fighters are such a... Especially Darth Vader's. Yeah. They're just... They look bad guy-ish. And the X-Wing Fighters, I just... They're, like, you know, a long penis with... Wings that fold up and down, and it, they're awesome. I love those. So <laughs> I agree. They are, dude. They they look like. <laughs> I agree, but uh, uh, especially uh, Vader's Tie Fighters with with the the sides tipped in. That, ah, that thing's so just cool, mean as hell. Yeah, and you know, even the uh, uh, Empire's. What would what would you even call? I don't even know what that one was called. The uh, the one they steal in Return of the Jedi. Many Bothans died to bring us. Oh that, that. yeah, the Imperial. It's yeah. like the Imperial ship of some sort. That, That's the wings fold up on that one. Lots of folding wings. Yeah. Well, in Rogue One, they have a giant. Or was it? No, no, no. no uh, episode seven. They have a, a larger version of that. When Kylo Ren comes down to the planet in the beginning. Yes. Yep. Those things are badass. Yes, man. they are. You know, and even going back to the prequels in the beginning, actually the beginning of. Clone Wars, that sleek-looking, long, shiny S- silver... The silver one? That, that, Man, I mean, that was such a cool ship. But that was ship. kind of a rip-off of the uh, uh, Flight of the Navigator one, right? I yes, mean, it, yeah, it had that look, kind of. 
That was awesome. But uh, Anakin's fighter in the part three. Those yeah. things are pretty sweet, too. That is one thing that George Lucas did get right with those prequels is I liked almost all of the spaceships in those movies. I'm trying to think. Part two. You got Obi-Wan going to the planet. Yeah, his fighter was okay. Yeah, you had that thing where they had to hook on to the extra thing that they left floating in the upper yeah. atmosphere. See, that's why Luke's X-Wing got the bonus points for me, is because he got that shit added to his ship. He didn't have to leave it floating in space. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, just, it raises a bunch of questions for me, because I know it's science fiction, fantasy, whatever, but at the same time, I'm like... You got that shit kind of just floating up there? What if somebody's hyper-jumping in and, oh, I hit your space garbage, thanks! <laughs> you know, hold on, I, I I had this in the parking zone, I got my permit, like, no, you just kind of left the shit floating up there for somebody yep. else to run into. Yep, space junk. <laughs> okay, uh, are you ready to move on to segment three? Uh, almost, I have to warp drive over to the bathroom because I have got to, uh, pee like five gallons. So I'll be right back. I guess it's my turn to fill in when Eugene's gone. What will I talk about? Um, so usually when Eugene's, or when I'm gone, Eugene just bullshits about, oh, I watched this movie that was maybe kind of a half porny thing and, or some shitty horror movie. Uh, what can I talk about? Let's see that he won't care. I watched The Golden Child again on Pluto TV. Yeah, that's a weird movie. I mean, it's it's okay. I feel like I like it more than I probably should. Most people hate it, but... I mean, it's got Eddie Murphy in his 80s, I think, and cracking jokes and... some kind of fantasy shit going on that's, that's kind of like that Kurt Russell movie. Uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. It's kind of like that. I don't know. I don't know why people hate that movie. I, I kind of dig it. Oh, good, he's blowing his nose. But hey. Uh, and flushing the toilet. Apparently all this shit is happening in his kitchen. If that's where he's seated on his... Good. Good. Thank you. Anything else? Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm literally going to send an ambulance to his house. Because he's dying. Uh. No? Can I go on? Hey... Good. Good. That was great. <laughs> what? Huh? <laughs> ah, I'm all cleaned out now, folks. <laughs> oh, good. Good. <laughs> what? Anything else you'd like to add for our top ten spaceships segment? <laughs> nope, I'm I'm good. You sure? Did you hear me peeing or Oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. We we heard some shit. Uh, you should see that toilet, by the way. I no, mean, no. Oh, it's, it, we heard it. Uh, okay, because it's there's there is things on that toilet that should not be there. It's like the it's the it's the communal shitter, and the kids always are using that thing. So it's like I forget sometimes, and like there's layers upon layers of. Of dried urine on that seat, and then, uh, you know, other stuff. It's just, it's bad. It's, it's, uh, it's my life right there, man. It's, <laughs> I'm done. 
No, you're not. As long as I'm quiet and let you keep hanging out there in the wind, you'll keep talking, and I'll keep cutting this shit into the intro. So go on. <laughs> oh, it's just because uh, it happened this morning, like uh, before and the show. I'm like, I, like, okay, a real quick sit down because you know. And then I sat down. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm like, it's, the seat's wet, and I'm like, oh, and it's like it's wet on top of <laughs> crusty. Oh, it's just. Oh, I mean, my, my, my kids and dogs are, my house far, far outweighs your house in disgustingness. And yet, <laughs> what you just said to me, I'm, I'm gagging. <laughs> oh, it's, and it sort of reeks. Like, you know how old urine smells? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I know how new urine smells. It's, <laughs> yep. it's all awful. Yeah, and I know how you, new urine feels on my ass. Yeah. Why do you do this? Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. I'm, whew. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I gotta... Because pretty soon I have to blow my nose again, and we know how that goes. Are you ready to move on to our third segment? Yes. Our third segment tonight is going to be about love, death, and robots. <clears throat> Let me grab my list. Double list. Okay, so this is an animated, well, mostly animated, series of short films that was just added to Netflix, produced by David Fincher. I started watching it. You were like, is one of us going to throw us on the roulette? And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. No, the second this is on, I am watching the shit. And wow, a couple episodes in, I was like, you better get your ass on this because we got to break this shit down. Uh, I had wanted to do a, a a complete ordering of all of the episodes uh, from best to worst for each of us. And, you know, the quality was at such a level of consistency that I didn't feel like that was fair. So, fuck it, let's just do a top five and we'll talk about the other episodes. Okay. And that'll be that. So... You say that like this is the first time you're hearing it. I already told you this. No, I no, I rated them all. I, um, I I said let's just do a top five. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. I can. Let me send you the text again. Or um, well, I can, I can. I hey, I'm I'm very adaptable to change. So <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Uh, I just said let's do a top five, and we'll we'll talk about all of them. But I I I wanted to force us to narrow down your top five. And that was really fucking hard for me because again, the, the quality consistency was unreal in this series. Every episode that came up, I can't believe we're still this good. I can't believe we're still this good. Uh, there was only a handful, not even a handful. There was only like two or three that I, I I wasn't even meh on them. I was just not outstanding. That's mm-hmm. that's how good this series was. Me too. Uh, so let's do our top five, and then we'll talk about any remaining episodes okay. that, that, that don't make it. Number five for me was Lucky 13. Uh, this one was about the... Uh, I Spoilers? Should we say spoilers for all this? Because we're going to talk about yes, what happens. Yes, I think so. If you haven't watched Love, Death, Robots on uh, Netflix, get on it. Because, holy God, was this shit awesome. Incredible. Uh, Lucky 13 was about a ship that a pilot came to like. Uh, some people thought it was unlucky because of the number and because it, it went through some a couple of bad missions. She loved it because it kept her alive for a few other missions. 
and more missions and more missions and more mm-hmm. missions. This is one of the what I call near photorealistic animation styles in this series. The animation was amazing, and I think it probably was uh, motion capture, if I had to guess, because I know that actress. She's from Orange is the New Black and a couple of other things. Really like her, but I would guess that this was probably motion capture. Uh, fantastic sci-fi story. The only reason I knocked it down a bit, I, I don't even know. It, it's because it's got an... It, now, I want to know if you picked this up. It's got an AI underlining story. Did you get that? No, I didn't. It's, well, are you talking about with how it ends with the ship? It's sprinkled throughout, but, but huh. mostly prominent with the end. The ship is watching her. They, they keep cutting to these internal cameras of the ship watching her. And then at the oh. end, she sets off the uh, uh, self-destruct thing, and she's counting as she's running, and it doesn't go off at the right time. She dives, and it doesn't go off at the right time, and then she makes it to the ditch, and she waits, and as more of the enemy surround the ship, then she tells them to duck, because the ship was waiting for her to get clear, and for more enemies to be on top of the ship. And then it allowed itself to be self-destructed. <clears throat> that's cool. That's, I mean, I, I picked up on that and I'm like, well, that could, for me, it was like, that could obviously go. Coincidence. Yeah. It could just be a coincidence. It didn't go off quite right. Or it could be what you're saying. Like, but I didn't pick up, I didn't pick up the internal cameras. Now that I think about it, I, I remember that, but I didn't pick up on that during the show. Well, they, I, the reason I say that is because the internal cameras were on her when she was talking to the ship, when she was talking about like, I know other people say this about you, but I love you. And, and I know other, you know, everybody thinks you're unlucky, but I think you're lucky. And mm-hmm. you, you and me, you know, like the way pilots often do in movies, that's not unusual. But whenever she was doing that kind of thing, it was the internal camera looking at her. So I took that to, to mean that, you know, the ship had developed a sort of artificial intelligence. And that's why it was ultra protective of her because she loved that ship, whereas the other pilots didn't, and everybody died yeah. <laughs> on those other missions. So I, I I really liked the subtlety of that writing, and so, yeah, number five for me. Okay. Number five for me is Helping Hand. This was a tough list to come up with, because I'm, I'm looking here, and I'm like, yeah, but that one, and that one, and that one, it, it's not easy. This is a not easy list to make, but the photorealism in Helping Hand and the fact that it's kind of like a dark version of Gravity, I, much like uh, Lucky 13. And some some of the other ones on this show is there is these episodes that have just photorealistic CGI. That It's incredible. And this is one of those movies, well, short films, uh, basically. But they a, do feel like movies. I know. I, I, I've never seen short films like this where they, it feels like a complete fucking movie in this short a time. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. 15, like re- most of them are right around 15 minutes. A couple of them are even less. Uh, but this one here, yeah, you're right. It tells a complete, a complete story with fantastic CGI, especially this one here. And a lot of them are pretty gory or there's just, there's something in almost all of them to make them very, very R rated. And I think that's great. This one here is kind of like, um, what's the, the bike riding movie or the, the climbing movie with, 
a uh, hundred and some hours, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's basically that in in space. And what would you do in a situation like this? You've got very, very limited amount of, of oxygen and time left. What do you do to get back to your spaceship? And it is so like uh, cringeworthy and nail. Like I'm seriously awful. I, it was yeah. awful. And the whole way through, I'm like, how the hell is she going to pull this off? And literally, how is she going to pull this off? <laughs> She does. Uh, yes. You're right. Uh, this one, uh, I mean, I guess spoiler, we're, we're going to talk yeah. about every episode, but I, I this, think one so too, yeah. this one didn't make my list, but it, it's, it, it's a, it's a great episode. It just, I, I really question the science of this. Can you, can somebody floating in zero G just throw a thing and then you're moving? I know. That didn't <clears throat> really make sense to me. Uh, could I lob off? I, th- I thought she was going to do the the Martian Iron Man thing and poke a hole and yeah, uh, but that's no, what I would no, no, try no. first. But instead, it's yeah, it's chuck off my arm and chuck it. I don't think. I mean, the science part feels to me like if well, can't you just make that motion and then you'll go that way? Why do you have to have a physical thing to do it? So I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. An actual scientist could tell me, no, you're wrong. If you're holding a thing and throw it, then you go that way. So the science part of it yeah. eh, dropped it off my list. But the animation was incredible. And the yeah. puns in the end. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, like yeah I could use a hand. <laughs> uh, number four for me was Sunny's Edge. And this was the very first episode and immediately, it was that blender moment that I always talk about when it comes to writing. Start your story off with a blender moment. That is a blender with the top off and somebody shoves their hand in it. And you're like, holy shit, I am paying attention to whatever the hell is going on here. That was Sunny's Edge. Uh, as far as this series is concerned. It was... Let's... <laughs> it's the photorealistic animation, it's science fiction, it's horror, it's it got a couple of twists and turns, and it, the final twist and turn of the thing is what sold it for me. Yeah, I, 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 so good. It's so damn good. And especially because half of this thing was selling a bit of sex appeal. Not a bit. It was selling a good amount of it. I expected the... I'm trying to choose my words carefully here, but... That first sexy bit, I expected this is going to go bad. And it did. And then it turned itself on its head and made the unsexy sexy. And I was like, this is bad ass, man. I am in. There is no way that the rest of the series is going to hold up to this. <laughs> oh, it did. Oh, boy, did it ever. <laughs> uh, number four was Sonny's Edge. So, yeah. Next. Okay, for me, next up is The Witness. This is the third episode. This is another one of the, if I'm not, yeah, this is another one that had that photorealistic look going on. Uh, I love the fact that this one here is a kind of a, I, I took this as a time loop type of thing to where this woman sees a guy, uh, murdering someone and then there's a chase and we go through all sorts of seedy areas of the city and then we end up kind of in a, time loop type of thing like, oh, whoa, we're back here again, I guess. 
but there's nudity, there's violence, there's swearing, there's just all sorts of R-rated goodness to be found in The Witness. And it, I, lo- I like the fact that this one here never lets up. It's like, go, 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 done. Like, there's never a dull moment in this episode. It's action nonstop, pretty much. Uh, it didn't make my list, but I completely agree. It is relentless in its pacing. You are having heart palpitations throughout the entire thing. And I I would call it, I mean, you're right, it, it may be a time loop kind of scenario, but for me, I took it as a uh, Twilight Zone nightmare. Just a circle, just an endless circle. I mean, it could be a time loop, but you're also dealing with different people in different places, so mm. maybe it's not a different. time thing. I, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on. I just know that it's a hellish nightmare. And nudity? Holy Oof. shit. I mean, that was the point where... Oh, yeah, I'm this, with all bets are off now. Okay. Yep, yep this series told you. It's, uh, I mean, people clad in... Uh, was it vinyl or? Oh, it was like the gimp. It was gimp yeah. stuff from Pulp Fiction. There was a lot of gimpy yeah. gimp stuff in here. D- but not just like one dude. It was like a dozen people all uh-huh. just gimpy with their private parts out. And we're all just kind of yeah. banging each other, whatever. Mm-hmm. Woo. Yep. CGI Bush. It's in there. You could smell that episode. <laughs> Number three for me is Shapeshifters. Uh, again, I tilt towards the photorealistic episodes because I'm just so blown away by the work that it must take to create this gorgeous animation. This was stunning. My biggest fault with this episode is, I mean, it's set in a quasi-future war atmosphere, blah, 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 but it got too specific with reality in that it becomes problematic with Afghanistan and U.S. military, where, okay, that's a real thing that exists today, and I have issues with it, so, eh, you're trying to make me be entertained by that. Why couldn't you make it a smidge further in the future with a fictional country so I don't have to have reality feelings? Thank you very much. Mm. Uh, but putting that kind of stuff aside the animal-human hybrid being the leader of the, the... leading the humans to safety and fighting the... Oh, this was badass werewolf shit. And gory as all hell. Woo! Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And I really like the way that it ended. It tried to reconcile all of the, you know, your... the reality Afghan Afghanistan kind of stuff with the, the ending of, oh, I'm dismissing this... It, it, I mean, thank you, but it, not enough to deal with the reality of the situation, in my opinion. But still, yeah. I really enjoyed the short. Okay, number three for me is Good Hunting. This is the... this Now, this was a bit more of the traditional animation style. Actually, I, I would say that this is... Would you... Is this anime, do you think? Would you... Yeah, I, I would say it qualifies as anime. It's, it's. I mean, well, it does have a bit of the Disney kind of animation. I know it has a little bit of that Disney feel in it too, like with some of the creatures. I, but it, but it also morphs over into steampunk halfway through. Mm-hmm. Full oh, on does, steampunk, yeah. which which is anime. So yeah, eh, it's kind of a mix. Yeah, uh, this is the son of a spirit hunter. Uh, I guess starts a relationship with this shape shape shifting fox creature lady. It is so amazing. I loved this one. This one here, 
I think I had this one here had the most um, emotional draw for me. Like I felt for everybody, like for all of our heroes in this in this short, the the guy and especially the girl, especially the girl. There's some horrific shit going on uh, from you know her starting as a creature, turning more into a woman, and then other uh, against her will, other. Uh, but I love how it brought everything full circle. It was this is kind of the the saddest, most heartbreaking ish type one I think of the bunch. But I, I loved it. I, it was fantastic. I felt like you said. I, I felt like I watched a whole movie when this was done in 15 minutes. I cared about those characters. I loved the animation. I hated the bad guys, but I was satisfied with how things were wrapped up. Uh, number two for me is Good Hunting. This uh, uh, appealed to the anime guy. If you listen to the show, you know me. I'm into anime. I'm into science fiction. I'm into horror a, a, a bit. I like the mix. This appealed to the anime and sci-fi part of me. So, and Kung Fu. Oh my god, this yeah. practically starts out as an old school, mystical Kung Fu movie. And then somehow, magically, in an extremely short span of time, moves into a science fiction steampunk mm-hmm. story that still somehow is just brutally R-rated. And that's another thing I liked about this series, it, what was encapsulated in this episode, is most of the thing you're watching, and it's it's PG-13-ish. I mean, there was some nudity up front, but it was not sexual. It was yeah. biological. But then in the, you know, towards the end, they're like, well, we haven't given you much R-ratedness. Here is a scene that is so brutally R-rated and hardcore. Oh, I know. It was awful. Oh, it was so hardcore. And then the story, you're right, it's the most depressing and sad one. And you say the end is satisfying, and to a degree, I agree. But I was also still very sad at the end. And that's, that is very anime. There's a lot oh, of anime very. that does that, where you got a bit of comeuppance, but you also still feel sad. You got a little bit of vengeance, but it's still horrifying, the shit they left you with. And when a cartoon, I'm, when a cartoon can make you feel that way, that's the kind of animation that I love, that is most dearest to my heart, because you, oh, you just took a yeah. thing that is meant for children and fucking made it crazy, hardcore, emotional for adults. I love that shit. This was awesome. An awesome, awesome entry. Yep, I agree. In fact, I went back and forth with what was number two and number three on my list. And it, they're so neck and neck that, like, you could interchange them and I would, I, whatever. It's Because this, my next one, my number two is right there. Um, <clears throat> Dude, my, my top eight are interchangeable. Yeah. And I, we're only doing the top five. Yeah. My top eight is interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Number two for me is Ice Age. This is the one directed by Tim Miller. And this actually has real people in, in it for a little bit. Um, well, no, for most of the runtime. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in this, as is Topher Grace. And at first, here's how, like, this is towards the end of the series. And I was, it starts, and I'm like, huh. Wow, they really made Topher Grace and Mary Elizabeth Winstead look like they look 
really realistic. Wow, that's incredible. I'm like, <laughs> that's how good, yeah, that's how that's, good the photorealistic animation was. I'm like, holy there, shit. There were, th- dude, there were at least five of these shorts where I was questioning, is this live action? Yeah, I know. And in this one here, I, I kept looking, like, seriously, for the first minute or so, I'm like, okay, wait. I guess Topher Grace looks a little bit older. I'm like, well, that's because he is older in real life, and that's really him, you dumbass. And uh, incredible. Like, I, I couldn't believe that showed how good everything that came before it was, that I was, like, questioning my eyes, like, okay, uh. But anyway, so this one here is more comical, uh, probably because Tim Miller uh, made the movie, the short, but I love the story arc on, in this one, where it's simple. They they have an icebox, an old icebox, they open it up, and they find in one of their ice cubes or a little piece of ice a little mammoth. And then they realize that there is a huge civilization living in their icebox, uh, and but of course the stuff that's in the icebox is going at a super hyper fast, I don't know, like a minute or two in our time translates to maybe a millennium or whatever in their time, very very fast. And so we see, you know, the ice age to the, you know, um, oh, what are some of the different terms that we use here to progress, <laughs> oh, uh... progress of the future. <laughs> Anyway, then it goes to outer, the nuclear shit. Uh, it goes to the steam age, it goes to the electric age, it goes to outer space uh, through modern time to outer spacey yeah. time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it was great. I loved it. I thought it was it was cute. Uh, it was, I liked it. Uh, oh, you're you're totally fine yeah. and I agree with everything that you're saying. The reason it's not making my list is uh bum 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 this has been done before to the point where this is almost a blatant ripoff and you wouldn't know it because you haven't got there yet, but this was an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Oh, really? Ah. They did very nearly this exact same thing on Star Trek Voyager. Uh, so that's why I had to knock it down a bit. I'm not dismissing the episode. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate Tim Miller and everybody involved. It, it was great. But they did this in Voyager. Interesting, <laughs> huh? So, uh, yeah, I had to knock Ice Age down a bit. But again, you're I'm I'm knocking it down, but it's literally hey, this one isn't extraordinary. It's just great. I, yeah. Number 1 for me is and this one was pretty easy because Look, you know I'm the kung fu guy, I'm the anime guy, I'm the sci-fi guy, I like a bit of horror, but there is a perfect sliver, a perfect slice of a thing that I love the most in cinema, and that's science fiction, that's horror, and it's a perfect combination of the two. That's Aliens, James Cameron's Aliens. Constant fights on the internet. Science fiction or horror. Blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? It's a perfect culmination of the two. Beyond the Aquila Rift is a perfect combination of the two. It was amazing, mind-melting, bewildering science fiction. It was also horrifying, lose-sleep-for-a-week horror. And... And a little bit porny. Yeah. Like, there's a little oh, bit... Oh, it's got to be a bit sexy. I like that, and who doesn't like that, too? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> uh, the, the but the horror aspects are very strong, and and horror and sci-fi, neither one really kind of takes over. It 
terrifies the shit out of me. It amazes the shit out of me. It, it's the kind of thing that I want to have a conversation about for, with my friends about, well, can you believe that? How many people do you think made that accidental jump? And uh, uh, how much the, does the creature care about? How many people is it taken care of? How many people lost its mind? You know, it, it, it opens a whole conversation. Fantastic. Easily takes my top spot. I loved this episode. And much like our spaceship uh, countdown, where Enterprise was number one immediately, Beyond the Aquila Rift was number one. That was easy. Like, immediately I started with number one. Okay, now where do I go from there? There was no... Uh, granted, some of the other ones came close, but that one was the clear winner of this series. For every re- for all the reasons that you said. it's It has a little bit of everything. Uh, it's got... I mean, it's got sex appeal in spades, but then it's got uh, very, very gruesome, horrific shit. Um, nightmarish type stuff going on. Uh, great acting. Everything about this was was animation perfection. This was one of the best short films I've ever seen. It does have... You're right. It's got nightmare stuff going on. But it was doubly horrifying because the nightmare was trying to take care of the person? Yes, like I it, know! It, it, I, I, aliens is horrifying, and when she goes to on her own to seek out and save Newt and face down the mother bitch alien, that, like, you're... Like, I was so... I've always been terrified. Like, you're... So, that's so scary. You're setting out on your own to face down this giant, horrible mother alien. But what if the alien was trying to take care of you? Like that is mm-hmm. that is a psychological horror on a completely different level that I've, yeah. I can't believe who wrote this shit. You yeah, it's like you're you're fucked. You're you're done, and I'm basically I guess I'm kind of your friend. I feel bad for you, but I'm a horrible creature thing from and you need to be okay with it because you are staying yeah. here. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, this is it. You're done. Oh, it was awful, but. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Phenomenal. Whoever wrote that episode, I give you all the Oscars in the world. That, oh my God, that was so great. Mm. And the animation was out of control awesome. It was, oh. Yeah. Oh, I love shit setting that kind of, that, that, that maybe, you know, a hundred years ahead in the future universe where this might be possible. I love that shit. And that goes back to our top 10 spaceships. That's the, that's the Cheyenne right there. Oh man, so yeah. fucking good. It, okay, I thought it was cool that how how there was a lot of the top five that we and we only had two of the five that were the same. Yeah. So like, and all the ones that you said, I like all of those as well. Uh, I'm curious though, as far as the the weakest of the bunch, because I think that there may be a couple that I it was down farther on my list than yours, or vice. Well, let's so. go down the the rest of the ones that we didn't talk about. Uh, I'm just going in order of the episodes. Three Robots, uh, episode two, hysterical, but also it was a departure from uh, the first episode, Sunny's Edge. It was like, okay, the first Sunny's Edge, it was like, we are hardcore. We are going to fuck you up. And then it goes to this one where it's like kind of comical and just cartoony and kind of robots. And it was like, all right, that was funny. It was good. I appreciate it. I hope we're not like the first one wasn't the most R-rated. And then next was The Witness. Okay, clearly, we're keeping with the R-rated. You don't have to worry about that. We're going to keep throwing those at you. And that was another photorealistic. 
Fourth was suits. That was the mech suits dealing with the cows in space. Uh, yada yada. Loved that episode. I, again, there's only about three in here that I would say were not extraordinary. Uh, I, I will tell you mm-hmm. which ones when we get to them. Suits was awesome. I, I said, I want to play this video game as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it felt like a video game. While watching it, I it just felt like a video game, but I also assumed that they're on an alien planet. And they're trying to, you know, be pioneers. And, and yep, at the end, that was kind of the eh, maybe spoiler that, yeah, they're on an alien planet. Number five, Sucker of Souls. This would have been, this was top eight. I loved this episode. Blissfully gory. Uh, Very, very hand-drawn kind of uh, animation style. I loved it. I would watch a whole movie about this shit. I was disappointed when it was over. I loved it. Sucker Souls, you? I loved it. It was great. That was number seven. Actually, number six for six for me was Three Robots, and then number seven, because I thought it was hilarious, and then Sucker of Souls was number seven. Episode six was the when the yogurt took over. Again, kind of, they did a great job of mixing up the styles and mixing up, here's an episode that's just kind of funny and not super R-rated hilarious. Oh my God, was this shit funny and so, so true. Uh, number seven, episode seven was Beyond the Quilla Rift. Episode eight was Good Hunting. Episode nine was The Dump. The Dump was totally serviceable, funny, short film. Uh, I liked it better than the one, be- the short film before Incredibles 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, episode 10 was Shapeshifters. Episode 11 was Helping Hand. We talked about that one. Episode 12, Fish Night. I thought this was a, a gleeful kind of The Doors, Oliver Stone, The Doors episode mm-hmm. where they're in the desert. And this is an acid trip. And it was beautifully animated. Absolutely gorgeous. I mean, the first half of it, I was going where. <laughs> Where's this going? And then the second half, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Uh, what does it mean? That is completely open to interpretation. What did you think about Fish Night? I really liked it. It's not one of my favorites, but I love the animation style, and I like that... I, I thought that that could have gone two different ways. Should I spoil that real yeah, quick could, as yeah. far as what I yep. think? Okay, so I think that what I took from that as is... Two things. One, the younger salesman, this car breaks down in the middle of the desert, and this older salesman, like door-to-door salesman and a younger guy, uh, are stuck there. And in the middle of the night, these spiritual fish show up, huge, colorful sea creatures. And on one end of the coin, I think that the young guy, after he touched one of them, he was able to become one of that spirit world I guess. And in doing so, a huge spirit shark thing eats him, the end. So he shouldn't have, a lesson here, he shouldn't have touched him. On the flip side, I have to wonder if the whole episode, or this whole short, the old man is thinking about his, his either business partner or maybe his younger son, his son. Um, was this guy his son? Uh, I don't know that for sure. I thought it was just another uh, salesman. Guy, yeah. yeah. But it could, it it could have been a, a lost, uh, yeah, a lost loved one that he misses, and he's always been a spirit. And when the fish show up, he immediately goes to that spirit realm because he is a spirit. And 
the old man is sad. And th- so those are the two interpretations I took from it. And both I think are cool. This is a good one. It's not as high on my list because the other ones are so amazing, but this is still a very unique and different take. It was beautiful. Oh, that animation was yeah. amazing. I don't disagree with anything you said or, or the uh, possibilities that you put forth. Um, yeah, could be. I don't. <laughs> it's totally a dream state kind of uh, film. Number episode 13 was Lucky 13. And I talked about it already. Did you give your thoughts on that, Lucky 13? I loved I loved it. I thought that was great. That Where did Lucky 13... Oh, number 10. And even then, it's like, oh, man. I That should be higher on the list. But there were so many that I... They're so good. Honestly, if I'm, if I'm ranking all 18 episodes, 15 of them are kind of in the same spot. I, yeah. Depends on the mood. Episode 14 was Zima Blue. Okay. This one is probably my least favorite bunch. And that's not to say that hate it or PG for everything else that was going on. And I was in a very adult anime kind of mode with this shit. I love it when it's super R-rated and crazy and gory or nudity or whatever. I don't know. For whatever reason, that just appeals to me. And this one was... was uh, yeah, a guy making paintings. I was like, all right, and then he's a pool cleaner or some shit of robots. What? Ah, okay. I, I, the animation was gorgeous, and I'm I'm not knocking it too much. It just it compared to this other shit. I I would prefer to watch that. I really liked it. I it's higher for me than it was for you, but I I liked the I guess kind of twist ending that it had. I, I just. Yeah, I, I like the artistic style of it, and that worked for me. It, it wasn't my favorite, but it certainly wasn't my least favorite. Episode 15 was Blind Spot, and this, again, was stepping up the R-ratedness, but it was also keeping in a cartoony kind of style. And I completely enjoyed this one. It was totally fine, but yeah, not my favorite of the bunch. It, it was a cool idea. I, I feel like it would have had more weight if they had given us a little more story about mm-hmm. what they were stealing and why, but instead it was just, we got to steal this shit. And they do. All right. Yep. I, this is my least favorite one of the bunch. I, I the animation was fine. Uh, but I just, I was not invested in any, it was, it was kind of forgettable, but in, in a good way. I'm as, I mean, I was when it was on, I'm like, Oh, this is good. And then when it was over, I'm like, well, the other ones are better than that. So eh. episode 16 was ice age. We already talked about that. Uh, 17 was Alternate Histories. This was... <laughs> so good. Uh, it was hilarious. This is another one of the the funny and kind of cartoony animation styles. Uh, but it was about traveling back in time to kill Hitler. Because everybody wants to do that when we talk about time travel. And it presented, what was it, seven or eight possibilities of what would happen if you tried to do that. Uh, and it was very funny, but, uh, yeah, not, it was, its biggest flaw was that it was overshadowed by better shorts. Agreed. Number 18 was Secret War, and this would have been, like, number six on my list of top five. Yeah, that's way up there for me, too. Another photorealistic one, this one was fantastic. It was set in World War One or Two. I'm not sure which, but, um, Judas priest quit calling me people fake numbers it's all fake bullshit um mm-hmm. it was set in either world war one or two i'm not quite sure but it was set in russia uh and they're fighting these demon 
so, maybe demon things. And the way that they designed those creatures and the way that they moved, absolutely terrifying. This was an absolute horror show. Uh, and yeah, straight, very straightforward too. It's why have you seen so, the trailer yeah. for the new Doom movie? The based on the video. No, game? I didn't know that was. Uh-uh. Yeah, you and the rest of the world. It is a direct-to-video piece of garbage shit. It uh. looks awful. It looks so dumb. But in ten minutes, this thing has a similar premise and was scary and gory and just do this. It's not that fucking hard. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Secret War was awesome, and they they get they do little things to get you to have an emotional connection with some of the characters, like the playing the guitar or the whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not a guitar, whatever the hell the instrument is called, but it's like a guitar. They do little things like that to get you emotionally invested in the characters. They're tiny things, but they're effective. And then you go on to the final sequence of that episode. and My God. Uh, oh, blood will be spilled. And I like that, how straightforward the movie was. And they like, Creatures, and by the way, here's why. And murder and mayhem, and then bombs drop, roll credits, pretty much, yep. right? Yep. And and we've talked about this, we've complained about this before, multiple times on this show. And I'm going to restate it here. When it comes to anthology films and and collections of short films, et cetera, et cetera, the, these kind of things that you're putting together, the order in which you put them together is vital and we've complained, why did you put this shit mm-hmm. in this order? Why did you, why did you put that one before this one? That makes no sense. Why did you, you know, this one's great. That one sucks. Why'd you put the shitty one at the end? This case, perfect. Perfect. You organized it perfect. This is the way it should be organized. You do the hardcore one. You do a lighthearted one. You do a photorealistic one. You do a cartoony one. Change it up mm-hmm. and end fucking strong. Did they end strong? end strong? They ended strong. Every the order yeah. was flawless. The, I more of this, less of everything else. Yeah. Hey, even even Buster Scruggs, I didn't like the way that that. And I love that anthology from the Coen Brothers, but I thought that it was odd that they that story that they had in there as the end was that was just me. No, though. you're I, right. Like, the order really? was bullshit. It was terrible. Yeah, but. This one here, you're right. I mean, I'm looking over the list, and I, especially after Sunny's Edge, immediately they go into jet black comedy, perfect. And then, it, like, even the genres, like some are more horror, some are more sci-fi, some are more comedy. They just changed up. I I would have loved to see the been in a room when they sat down, like, okay, how are we going to organize this? How are we going to put these together? Because I don't know how it would have changed that to make it better. No, I, I I have you know. no comments on that whatsoever because this is the way that it should have been ordered. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could have swapped a comedy bit for a comedy bit, but you're nitpicking. This it was flawless, flawless. Yeah. So all in all, where would you put this on a like a series on Netflix? You've watched a ton of Netflix, and so have I. Like this to me feels. We should have seen this in the theater. Like this should have been like a part one would have been 90 minutes and a part two would have been another 90 minutes because it's three hours long. It This feels bigger than Netflix to me. It, 
you know, at the end of the day, it feels like a David Fincher had something to do with it. That's what it feels like. Because everything that he's done, mm-hmm. I like, or and I think is professionally done and executed. And here we are. In, it, I, I, I was blown away by this. Blown away. I expected uh, to be watching an anthology of maybe 10 short films or something, and, you know, half of them would be okay. Instead, it was, yeah. here's 18, and... 15 of them will blow your, will be the best science fiction stories that you've seen in the cinema in the last 10 years. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit. More of this, less of everything else. I've. Yeah. Now, do you know, is, um, is this a planned, like, season two, season three, or is this a one off? They can't, they couldn't have been cheap. Some of these could not have been cheap. I have no idea. I don't know what this shit costs. I, I think that they mm. got another season. I could be wrong on that, but uh, from the reviews that I'm seeing from my friends online and from the building uh, uh, word of mouth and people talking about this shit, I think we're going to be seeing more of this. And thank... Uh, please, do it. Thank yeah. God. Ugh. Even if, even if this, the, not that I wanted to, but even if the quality would drop one full notch, they would still be awesome. I can't say enough about the quality. It's, it's beyond. It's, it's, it's literally, here's 15 short films that are tens out of tens, and then a couple that are eights. Mm-hmm. It's, what? Yeah. I did not yep. expect Same that here. at all. So. Yeah. And I, and I was even disappointed. I'm like, when it was done, I'm like, shit, I should have saved this for like prime time, evening drinks kids to bed but instead i was kind of binging it and then i'm like oh shit these are so good i feel like these are like i'm being i'm wasting my first viewings on these not watching them at night you were disappointed in anime sci-fi guy was fucking pissed off (laughs) (laughs) because i binged uh, well 16 of them in one day No, that that was my. Th- yeah, it took me a couple days. I kind of split it up. Half that was and a half. Saturday for me. I watched two of them and I was like, "Wow, these are really good." And then it was a Saturday. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna just maybe watch this today." And woo, it just it the consi- I could not believe the quality consistency. Okay, uh, we yep. got to move on to recently watched because we have a couple things we have to talk about. Uh, starting with the American, George Clooney, a film everybody hates. Uh, I've watched it more than you. I think this was my third or fourth viewing, but I would like to hear your thoughts on it because this is your second viewing, right? Yes. Okay. I would like your second viewing review before I give my third or fourth. Okay. Um, so we talked about this a little bit, like, okay, what, let's watch this again and talk about it a little bit on the show. Uh, I, I think I have the exact same review as I did the first time. And this is one of those where when I watched it the first time, I loved it. And I still, it's not one of those movies where it's like, hmm, I remember liking that. I don't remember much of it. I remember a lot of that movie. And upon rewatch, it, it score stands exactly the same. I thought it was brilliant. I love the slow and steady pace, yet there's, there's this underlying tension going on there because you know that this is a dealing with assassins, and you know it's not going to end well. The whole way through, I'm like, even the second time, because I, I kind of like, I'm like, now I kind of remember how this ends, but how they get there, I kind of forget a little bit, and then I'm like, oh, that's right, and it just bad shit happens. But George, Clo- I like the fact that George Clooney, he's a, he's a bad guy, but he's you kind of like him, 
And there's so many layers to this character that you don't, you never find out quite about, but you can tell this guy has had a life and he has got stories. Uh, he's good at almost everything he does. So good. It, it was such a great movie. It's so well shot, so well paced, so well scored too. Man, I loved the score of this movie. And there was even almost, well, not almost, there was a couple, mainly one, uh, violent scene in the movie that, that because the movie is paced the way it is, you're not expecting it. So when it happens, you're like, holy shit. Okay. Uh, towards the end. But, um, anyway, it, I, I gave it a four, which is the same score I gave it the first time. It's a strong four out of five for me. Strong four. Yeah. I, now having seen it three or four times, I, I still kind of forget the ending. I know that most of the movie feels kind of bleak and it's slow paced and yada, yada, but, I always spoiler. I always forget at the, that the end is as dark as it is. It is. It's I, just... I, I, cause I uh, throughout the whole movie. I'm still, I, I hope for the happy ending for him. He's a, uh, a guy in a bad job and he's trying to get out of it and not be evil. And at the end, he really tries, but yep. it just kind of does, or we're at least led to believe it just doesn't quite work out. Yeah. Um, phenomenal i am that i feel about this movie the same way i feel about the box dude i feel like both those movies are so underappreciated in their time and down the road everybody's gonna come around on them and you and me are sitting here going guys gals this is phenomenal filmmaking we're screaming it at the top of our lungs and people are like these movies are shit yeah and you know what the Shining, two thousand one, those movies, people said were shit too, and now look, now look, yeah. and I, I feel like we're on the the front of that. And Man, I tell you, when when Clooney starts to build the gun and build the silence or whatever, that was so cool. How he like just very methodical he was and measuring shit out, and they, I, I love the movie. I lo- I I can't believe it took me this long for a rewatch because it's been several years. And I loved it, but it's just one of those where it's like, you know, it's not horror or science fiction. And so it kind of just gets pushed aside, but it's an American film that has the most Italian feel. Ever. Yeah. Like old Italian with the pacing mm-hmm. and the, and the, the, the town s- and the score and everything. The scenes, the score is amazing. The, the scenes where he's just being paranoid and going through the streets and thinking somebody's following him and jumping on the moped and yada, mm-hmm. yada. Those scenes are, they just feel so damn Italian, uh, for like old school Italian, um, gal, uh, how do you say it? Giallos? Giallos. It yeah, feels no, it like does. that. It feels like that. Yeah. And I love it. I yep. love it. And I, I don't know why people have such a hard time seeing what it's trying to do, what it's trying to be. And especially, uh, the, the end when he develops the weapon to do what he wants it to do. Mm-hmm. On rewatch, you say to yourself, why did I not see that coming the first time? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't see it the first time, but on rewatch, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. he, he, he see, he's reading between the lines. That is brilliant writing. That, that is brilliant direction. That is a director knowing what the writer is intending and, and producing it visually. And that is so hard to do. It, it's mostly with uh, uh, George Clooney's uh, 
his expressions, his facial expressions, because there's a lot of silence in this movie. Yes. There's a lot of times where he's in the cafe, not a lot's going on, but what he is looking at, what he is seeing, what he is doing, what his, his facial, his reactions to a guy across the street, what that means. Like, you have to read between the lines on this shit. It's not spoon feeding. I adore this fucking film, dude. Yeah. And, oh, it makes me angry when people shit on it. I picked this thing up on Blu-ray for, I think, 250 Yeah. Me too. Oh. <laughs> yep, it's amazing. I I'm right there with you. In fact, I like I said, it's a strong four. I'm like I, I'm not sure why I'm not even giving it four point five, but it's like I, I guess it's four for me right now. But I, yeah. I'm happy with a thumbs up. I don't give a shit. Oh I, man, I, huge thumbs up. Yep. Back to you. Okay. Um, and I, I'm gonna have to. I'll. I'm gonna because. Joni's going to come home with the kids, so I'm going to have to start lunch here in a little bit, but I'll, I might have to go back and forth, so just bear with it, me. I'm totally fine. Okay. Uh, okay, so, The House That Jack Built, from <laughs> Lars von <laughs> Trier. <sighs> Here's my review. I imported this from the UK because it's the uncut version. I will not, I right away said, I'm not going to watch the R-rated version. Nope, I'm watching uncut or nothing. And I am happy that I imported this thing. Uh, Matt Dillon is, this, this is two hours and 32 minutes of a serial killer reliving his, his, not his life's work, but I guess kind of his, well, a little bit of his spoiler, years. spoiler, spoiler. Yeah. We're, we're talking spoilers on the house yeah. that Jack built. So basically him and this unseen guy are having a conversation about the, him becoming the serial killer that he is. And it takes place over the course of like 12 years. So we see his first victim, which is, which is Uma Thurman, uh, getting a a tire uh, a jack rammed right into her skull. So her skull is caved in. I'm going to spoil the movie, by the way. Um, and then every now and then we flash back to him as a kid and just evil, evil little fucker uh, cuts the legs off a cuts a, a little leg off of a little duck because why the fuck not? It's the guy is a sick, twisted bastard. Uh, this is broken down into six segments, I think, something like that. And um, segment two is basically his second victim. I'm not going to get it. Like, we just kind of go move forward from here. The harshest th- scene in the movie, and I'm not going to get too into the harshest scene, but a mother and her two children are... He's befriended this mother and her two children, and they're out... He's showing them how to properly hunt. That goes really, really bad, really fast. And that was one of the hardest things that I've watched in a while. Like, that's that's some pretty harsh shit right there. Um, and then there's the girl that he, he shacks up with a lady at one point, and he calls her simple because she's not that smart. So you feel bad for her. And then he he does his thing. And it's... Awful, awful. Like this is, this is like irreversible slash. It's just harsh, harsh stuff mixed in with some comedy, some ha <laughs> um, and some arts. I don't want to say artsy fartsy, but it does have an art house type feel going Lar- on. Lars Van Trier. Yeah, but this movie's so nihilistic. Uh, and spoiler, Lars Von Trier. Yep, we're gonna get to the end. So he has these um. This group of guys tied up to this pole, like staggered, 
and he's got this rifle. He's like full metal jacket uh, uh, cartridge here. He's like, and he explained how the I was it the Nazis were trying to figure out how to better execute people quicker. And so he's like, this full metal jacket is going to go through all of your heads. And I'm, it's an experiment. Ha ha. Um, meanwhile, um, he opens this because he keeps all his victims in this locker, this frozen locker. So um, that there's a door in this locker that he cannot get open. Well, he finally is able to get it open because his scope, his, his scope can't line up the victim. So he gets it open so he can go back. That's when he meets, spoiler alert again, Satan's in there waiting for him. And from here, in short order, he goes down into this hole because the police show up and he goes down to hell. Like, well, here's the hole. Watch come down with me because we need to, you need to go to hell. Okay. And they go down to hell and it's kind of honestly like I would think hell would be like, uh, just alone. And at first it's like you're in these dark tunnels and oh, now here's the lava. Woo! Here's the big wa- lava waterfall. And, um, well, uh, you've got two choices. You can, w- th- this is a pretty deep level of hell here, Jack. We can go up a little bit because you're, this isn't your level, but we can go up a little bit. Or you can try to walk around this chasm here and try to get to the other side where it leads to heaven, I think maybe. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, what you gonna do? And I'm gonna spoil this just. Okay. Oh, so I'm Jack, fine. I, I've read yeah. about the ending. I'm, yeah. I love it. Go for it. So Jack, of course, tries to get across. And as you expect, he slips and falls and beep, down, 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 down. And then hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back. No. Literally, that's the song that they play over the end credits. It was great. It was. I, I want to see this so bad. Ever since I read about the ending, I was like, this sounds amazing. Yes. That and ending worth, was so great. The, the torment of the rest of the movie. It's, dude, it's like, it's pretty brutal. Like, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> but it's, every now and then they play it as a dark comedy, and then it it turns sick, and it's such a weird Oh, movie. Lars von Trier, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, you should see Nymphomaniac. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a thing. I, I can't wait to watch this movie because yeah. of the ending. I would let you borrow this, but it's Region B. So Eugene left. Um, hmm. He's banging around. Oh, good. Sounds like he's in a fight with uh, some with his kitchen. Sounded, oh God, what's happening? Should I call the police? Holy God! I feel like I should. I mean, he's either in a fight with bubble wrap or he's trying to break some ice cubes out of a tray. I'm... What the hell? Eugene. Come back. Are you okay? You have every reason to live. Are you okay? Huh? Oh. (laughs) I was having to put french fries in the oven for the boy. (laughs) That is not what that sounded like at all. Um, okay, so let's do Coming Soon and wrap this up. Okay. Uh, Coming Soon for me, I'm going to watch Panic on the 522, another VHS that is a mystery movie to me. I'm going to watch a bunch of other VHSs. 
because that's what I'm doing. Uh, what is that called? Tripwire. And Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. I know everybody hates that movie, but I kind of thought it was okay, and I bought the Blu-ray months and months ago, and I'm going to rewatch it because now, thanks to uh, Love of Death Robots, I need an animation fix injected straight into my arm. Uh, what about you? Um, I've got uh, some more Vinegar Syndrome mediocrity heading my way. By uh, that, I mean Dominique. Fleshpot on 42nd Street, which is uh, an Andy Milligan porn, I guess, whatever. It looks awful. Oh, in the cold of the night is a Skinamax. Literally, it's a Skinamax movie. Ugh, Christ, what am I? Um, what else? Oh, Fantastic Beasts. I rewatched that one. I'll review my second viewing of that, I guess, maybe. Um, Colobus. I want to talk about Colobus a little bit. And and I did watch Captain Marvel 3D. I do oh. want to talk about that. Um, well, it was on my list to talk about, but yeah, we got carried um, away with all yeah. our shit. But Captain Marvel 3D will be reviewed next episode. And then, uh, I, yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff that I've got heading my way. But uh, yeah, I got to tell you, I'm not really looking forward to the Vinegar Syndrome titles. Like, eh, mm. But, oh, oh, the great pity that I have in my heart for you. <laughs> Flesh pot on Forty Second Street. Well, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I haven't heard of it. Nobody has either. But as listening to the show. <laughs> oh, but full review heading your way. Fantastic. Oh, I'm envisioning uh, hair and flab and seventies. Nice. <sighs> Me too. But that's only because I gotta go take a piss. So okay, perfect. Can I, can I please go take a piss? Thank you. Yes, it's it's only been now. a two and a half hour episode, so. Oh, this was, this was a marathon. <laughs> yeah, I hope everybody enjoys this for the next two weeks. Yeah. And if you don't, well, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Now I'm going to go clean up my, my dirty pee. What uh, in the hell was happening over there? Because it was like, you, you popped up and it, it sounded like a battle. Uh, it was, <laughs> oh, it was a battle. It was a battle between me and a large cookie sheet that I was trying to put tinfoil on to dump french fries and tater tots on, and it won. I mean, literally, the, the camera is pointing away. I thought on the other side of the camera, it, it was, it was a martial arts battle. I mean, there, there was kitchen influence being thrown all around. It was bang, bang. Uh-huh. No, just Eugene putting french fries. Okay, you're like my 14-year-old who, yeah, trying to make something. <laughs> Hold on, let me do a thing. And, uh, <laughs> and then meanwhile, the house burns down. And on like, Eugene Weaver! Yeah, uh, yeah, Eric, just putting tots in. What? Just do it. <laughs> Dude, there's, there's a science to it. <laughs> and I don't know that science! <laughs> oh, I think you do. It's the science of noise. Okay. I... <laughs> I'll see you whenever I get back from wherever. Bye. Yeah, perfect. Oh, oh, even that perfect sounded awful. Oh, ah. Come on, try it again. Go ahead. Ah, perfect. Bye. I have a feeling that perfect, that the, the first botched perfect is going to make an ugly reappearance on this episode somewhere. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Till next time. Cheers. Bye. listening.
Hey, if you want to get a hold of the Movie Freaks, you can get a hold of us facebook.com backslash Movie Freaks Pod on Twitter at Movie Freaks Pod. Drop us an email, moviefreakspod at yahoo.com. Intro music was public domain by www.rutgermuller.nl.